Well, I've been waiting for nine weeks for chapter nine. And you'll find out, I hope, in about 20 minutes. So here's, here's a sermon in a sentence. Homesick for heaven. We have been talking about heaven a lot. And in the auditorium, they use the phrase, what the hevel's going on? Now, hevel is not, remember, remember what hevel means? Mevel, hevel means it's something that is unmanageable, uncontrollable, ungovernable. It's not understandable. So that's what he's been saying over and over and over again. And I'm going to suggest today, and listen, this is listen's big, broad scope, and I'll take you through in just a moment. Listen carefully to me now, please. The pain and sufferings of this life are intended to make us homesick for heaven. And the joys, the victories, the good gifts, the blessings of life are intended to make us homesick for heaven. And so what's so easy to do is to be so caught up with life that we don't see what our God is doing with us and for us, where he's leading us. So I'm gonna, let me tell you where we're going for the next few minutes. We're gonna look at chapter nine, one through six, and for six verses, he just goes, boom, 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 boom. This is certain, it's certain, it's certain, it's certain, it's certain, it's certain, and it's death. Six verses. And then... In verses 11 and 12, he goes, but you know what? There's a whole bunch of stuff that's uncertain. But I want to take you back to verses 7, 8, and 9. Because there we see what he's poking at because he's really poking toward heaven. So would you open your Bibles, please, to Ecclesiastes chapter 9. And let's look at this certain thing. I'll make a few comments as we read through it. We're going to go then chapter 9, 11, and 12, and then I have a surprise, a good gift. Chapter 9, verses 1 through 6. Please hear these words of the Lord. So I reflected on all this, all that we've talked about these past eight Sundays together, and concluded, here's his conclusion, so this is the first of his summaries that are going to go on the next three chapters, that the righteous and the wise, and what they do are in God's hands. But no one knows whether love or hate awaits them. All share a common destiny. All will die. The righteous and the wicked, the good and the bad, the clean and the unclean, those who offer sacrifices and those who do not, all will die. Now a proverb from the Hebrews. As it was with the good, so with the sinful. As it is with those who take oaths, so with those who are afraid to take them. They're all going to die. Verse 3. This is the evil in everything that happens under the sun in this life. The same destiny overtakes all. Everyone will die. The hearts of people, moreover, are full of evil, and there is madness in their hearts while they live. And afterward, they join the dead. Anyone who is among the living has hope. Even a live dog is better than a dead lion. Let me just stop and just say, the readers would have just gone, hearers would have gone, what? So let me tell you what the rabbis would say. The rabbis would say this. When they wanted to really make a point, they would put their hands up in there, and this is how they pray. I thank you, O oh Lord God, creator of the universe, that I am not a woman, 
a Gentile or a dog. And now Solomon says, better to be a living scumbag dog than to be a dead lion. He is railing about death. Let's go on. What does he say next? He says, for the living know they will die, and the deadly know, dead know nothing. They have no further reward, and even their name is forgotten. Their love, their hate, their jealousy have long since vanished because they've been dead. Never again will they have a part in anything that happens under the sun. Slide three, please. So for six verses, all he says is, and thing is certain you will die. And he just, it's like, it's like, boom, 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 boom. He's just trying to make it so clear that we cannot miss it. We're going to die. But then he contradicts himself. Look at verses 11 and 12. What in the world? He says in 11 and 12, and I've seen something else under the sun in this life. So this doesn't make any sense. The race is not to the swift. They don't always win. Or the battle to the strong. They don't always conquer. Nor does food come to the wise. They might go hungry. Or wealth to the learned. Smart people might, be, might not have any wealth. Or favor to the learned. But time and chance happen them all. Moreover, moreover, here it goes. No one knows when their hour will come. Oh, here's a Hebrew proverb. As fish are caught in a cruel net, or birds are taken in a snare, so people are trapped by evil times that fall unexpectedly upon them. And now, he's just saying, what the hey? So wait, wait a minute. So we're going to die, we're going to die, we're going to die, we're going to die. What's going on? What's going on? What's going on? So what's he, what's he saying to us? He's talking about heaven again. See, unmanageable, uncontrollable, ungovernable. We can't do this with death. We, we can't do this with life. Here we are. So what he's really saying to us is, do you understand where, this, I got some really interesting pushback last week. People said to me, we don't like this fear thing you're talking about. But I'm going to keep suggesting next couple of weeks, if we don't understand what it is to fear God rightly, we probably won't exercise much faith intentionally. And so what he's poking at here is we're all going to die, one through six. We don't know how life's going to live, 11 and 12. So what do we do? Now, what's my sentence been for eight consecutive weeks? Here's been the sentence. We choose to embrace life Honestly, brace death honestly. We, we want to just acknowledge, we will die. The next phrase, but we choose to live life intentionally, which allows us what? To flourish. So I've been talking about this for some weeks in multiple ways, but I want you to actually experience from someone in our church family. I want you to imagine that about a year ago, your doctor says to you who you trust, you respect, you listen to, your doctor tells you you have about a year to live. One year. What would your response be? So here is death is certain. 
but how do we manage life in this time I have left with all the uncertainties? So I've been saying to us is, if we choose to embrace that we will die, if we will then intentionally grab life, we can flourish. I'd like to hear from someone in a church family who is doing that sentence for the past year. Would you please watch? So Dale, thank you for being willing to have a conversation. Thank you, you're, and you're welcome. Thank yeah. you for inviting me. Yeah. Um, I, as I've been doing, preparing for this series on Ecclesiastes, I've been thinking about people um, who I think are living what I'm trying to say. And the sentence is dealing, living with honest understanding of death, which frees us to intentionally choose to live, which allows for flourishing. And Dale, you're doing it like, you're just doing it in spades. And I've been watching you now for these months, uh, probably close to a year now. Yeah. And it's just been so interesting for me to see how alive you are. And so I'm wondering if we could just have a conversation about, about living yeah. in the midst of facing death. Yeah, absolutely. Is that okay? Yeah. So my first question is, how did the cancer diagnosis impact how you were living? And has it had a similar impact now or has your perspective changed? That, then that's a really good question, a telling question. As I, as I read that question uh, that you were so kind to send to me beforehand, I thought, you know, it really changed everything about how I was living uh, at the time. When I was initially diagnosed, my diagnosis was, and probably still is, stage 4B cancer. Now. I knew about stage one through four type of stuff. I didn't know there were letter designations as well. So I learned something <laughs> with that. Uh, but I thought, yeah, that sounds kind of serious. And as we were sitting with the oncologist who was giving us a diagnosis, I was sitting in there uh, and Kathy was there as well as my kids, Jan and Scott were both there. and. He said that, and he was giving the reasons why. And I will tell you, you'll you'll get this reference. Uh, not everybody that views this may, but it was kind of like it went into Charlie Brown's teacher talking. I, my mind stopped processing mm -hmm. for a little bit, and I, I just thought, my goodness, that's kind of a big deal. I was all of a sudden looking at life as, yeah, probably got about a year is what I've been told. And I guess I sit in my recliner uh, and just kind of wait for things to come. So uh, that was back in the initial diagnosis. Uh, you know, how is it affecting me today? I'm still not working. I guess I'm retired now, uh, for lack of better terminology. And there's, so I don't every day get up and go to work. Uh, but I'm still now, I, it, now that I'm off chemo and feeling better, I'm able to do stuff in the yard, work around the house, 
one of the things I always loved to do was I'm the public address announcer for uh, Pella Christian football. Uh, and I'm able to do that once again this year. Thank you, Lord. Mm -hmm. uh, because it's that little bit of normal. Mm. Now, I'm able to have some normalcy. I had uh, a year of nothing was normal. So as someone who's, who's diagnosed with stage four cancer, 4B, you are facing death, but you're choosing to live. You're flourishing. Help me understand that. I mean, why would we? Most people just kind of yeah, quit. You know, oh oh oh, and you're and you're different. Why why? What's going on? Um, yeah, I think in a way, uh, your previous sermon series on flourishing in exile struck home for us, mm. and it's like things happen to you in life. Always things will happen to you in life. Uh, it's not like we're being taken into captivity or anything, but things will happen that if you allow them to can completely interfere with your life and completely disengage you from life and completely affect your attitude. Mm -hmm. And when I made the decision last December that it was more important for me to enjoy and live my life than it was to continue on chemo to just keep being sick so I might live another few months. Uh, I decided at that same time, if I'm going to live, I'm going to live. Uh, I'm gonna do things. I'm gonna enjoy whatever time God gives me that I have left with my wife and yep. with my family. Because uh, all of these things are gifts. Yes. Yep. And I do not want to dishonor God by not appreciating the gifts mm -hmm. that he has given me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, so are you saying that you are uniquely, intentionally saying, I, I understand I'm going to die, but I'm going to choose to live with as much vigor as I have. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. Yeah. Why, why, why is, is it different now than it was three years ago? Are you living differently now than you did? You know, I'd be kidding myself if I said no. Uh, I have a different perspective mm -hmm. on life. I, I was talking with another friend recently. I said, you know, one of, the, one of the things that this diagnosis, this cancer diagnosis has done is it's, it's focused me better. Hmm on what's important mm -hmm. in life and uh, trying to pay as much attention to those things as I can. So my relationship, you know, starting off my relationship with my spouse, I need to pay attention to that. Mm. I need to be focused on her uh, for whatever time we have left because, you know, Thank the Lord we had had 45 years yep. together. Yep. I'd be okay with another 45. I don't don't think that's going to happen. But whatever time we have left, we're going to do whatever we can to enjoy our time together. So are, do you feel like you're a better husband and father now that you're facing death so honestly than you were before? Has that changed how you are relating to those you love? Without Kathy here as a reference, I'm uncomfortable <laughs> saying if I'm a, better, I'm a better husband or not. Because uh, I am also a human being and we have our moments. But uh, I try to be. I guess I'll, I'll be fair and say I try to be. 
I try to be mindful, you know, going back to the last question, you know, what impact did that have? One of the things I was intentional about, uh, there was a book uh, that for a period of time I was uh, in the hospice program, since got kicked out of that. <laughs> and and, my, and my, my palliative care nurse, you know, the, the definition of palliative care is probably gonna die in six months. Uh, a couple visits ago, she said, you probably don't qualify for this either. So I, I guess I'm. It, this is kind of like being back in school and getting kicked out of things. But, uh, but she gave us a book. Uh, and I think the name of the book was The Four Things. Uh, and it was things that you should focus on knowing that your time may be near. Mm-hmm. And one of those is relationship repair. Mm. And so I became very focused on making sure that my relationships were as good as they could be. Hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, I still mess up. If I mess up, I also try to recognize that and make apologies yeah, yeah. for that. Beautiful. So, so am I perfect? You know better than that. Uh, but am I trying? Absolutely. How okay. about your relationship with the Lord? How has that changed in light of, I have stage four cancer. How's that, how's that relationship with the Lord changed? You you start out saying, well, looks like we're going to see each other here pretty quick. <laughs> uh, but so you're, you're intentional uh, in, in terms of how you're living your life and trying to keep yourself as focused as you can, not on the things around you. Uh, I mean, we still watch the news, but I'm not always paying a lot of attention because mm -hmm. it's so depressing. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, living knowing that we're going to die, which ironically we all ought to be doing mm -hmm. because we are all going to die yep. at some point should the Lord tarry. Yep. Uh, so living your life in such a fashion, you know, this ain't forever. No, no. Do you have a scripture verse that's especially meaningful for you right now? Uh, passage? You know, our I've always said it's our family Bible passage, 121st Psalm. Mm -hmm. I lift up my eyes to the hills from whence does my help come. It comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Yeah. Uh, and as I think about my experience, I feel this good. You know, maybe a little bit of the chemo had an effect in helping slow down the disease. But I feel this good because God wants me to feel this good. Mm. And I had determined early on when they were telling me, you know, we're going to give you chemo to prolong your life, which in my view, it's kind of like, well, then why are we bothering? Mm -hmm. uh, because I know where I'm going. And I'm not afraid of that. But uh, then again, I wanted to spend as much time as I could with my family. As, as I started feeling better, I thought, what can I do? I, I'm here for a reason. How can I point others to the light and, and demonstrate a little bit of hope that I think is in such short supply these days? And really, people of faith, hope is what we have to offer. Mm -hmm. That is the bottom line. Yep. 
the hope that we have through Jesus Christ is is the ultimate hope that we have to offer. Why would why would we not go through life with a great attitude? Mm-hmm. If we really believe what we say we believe, yep. how about we act like it in how we live? Yep. Beautiful. That's Ecclesiastes. And there's Dill right there. Now, interesting a moment. I'll try something. Can you, is there, can you see light coming at me? You see it? Those in the middle, look out the back. Go ahead, stand up. Look, look out the back window. What do you see? There is a ray of life is so light, I can't hardly see you. I think the Holy Spirit is just saying something very, very enlightening right now. This, in 27 years, this has never happened to me. It is so bright. I can, I, you are blinded in my eyes because it's coming so hard in my eyes. There's something being spoken in Dale's words that reflect how we can live. The light is shining here this morning. So let me remind you where we've been. So Dale, Dale is living out the sentence, facing death honestly, choosing to live life intentionally, allows to flourish. Now, where have we been? Chapter 9, 1 through 6, death is certain. Chapter 9, 11 through 12, but life is filled with uncertainty. I didn't talk about verses 7, 8, 9, 10. May I have slide number 9, uh, nine please? The simple good gifts God gives us are a sign of his pleasure in us. As we enjoy these simple good gifts, we are experiencing God's favor. In the midst of the certainty of death and the uncertainty of life. So if you talk with Dale, he will talk with you about the simple things. So let's look at verses 7, 8, and 9 now. Look at chapter 9, verses 7, 8, and 9. And now this is, this is, this is now the fifth time, but now with expansion, that he's focused on these, this, this idea. First, first word in verse 7, go. That's an imperative word. Go quickly. And it says, eat your food with gladness. And drink your wine with a joyful heart. Now look at the next phrase. For God has already approved what you do. So what's he saying? God gets, this, this is going to blow your mind. Stay with me here a minute. Let me give you an illustration. So our four and two-year-old granddaughters come over, and it's Christmas time, and, I, and we, we found something that we think they would just love as a present. And so we can't wait until those little girls start to open the gift. It's just to watch them receive the gift. You know what I'm talking about? When you give a gift, and you just can't wait for them to open it. Listen now. That verse is saying God has given you and me simple gifts, and he can't wait to see you open them. A good meal, a good glass of wine, good relationships. And why do we keep talking about Sabbath, 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 Sabbath? At least once a week, you have a great meal. At least once a week, you have these connections with people you love. And your God is just going, yes, I love when they open the gift of simple pleasures. Do you understand that? The heart of God is just going, yay! 
They're getting it. So Dale has a short time to live. We all do. Enjoy your relationship. Dale, I watch this thing. Every time he catches me, he wants to make sure all his relationships are right. That's a simple gift. It's a hard gift to open, yes? It's a hard gift to give. The boy on the other side, it's awesome. Let's go on, verse eight. Look at what heaven says next. This is really interesting imagery. Always be clothed in white and always anoint your head with oil. What does that mean? Okay, think about the first six verses. Death, 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 death. So what happens to death for the Hebrews? Sackcloth and ashes, and you walk around moping. I mean, it's crazy. If you go, if you, if you, today, if you go to Israel today and a death, they have professional mourners. People are paid to, if you watch news and you watch a death in the Middle East, Arab or uh, Jewish, there are people just wailing. I mean, just wailing. Those are paid mourners. People are paid to mourn. Wailing. Crying out to God. He's saying, when it comes to the simple pleasures, put on your white clothes, not sackcloth. Don't put ashes on your head. Put shampoo, oil. Get cleaned up. Are you catching the imagery? Good food, good drink, good relationships, your best clothes, and perfume. What's he talking about? A wedding. A wedding reception. What does Jesus talk about when he returns? A wedding banquet. Now I want you to think about this. When Jesus returns and makes all things right, King of kings, Lord of lords, all is right, all is good. Think about this. You're going to I don't know how. All I know is Jesus rose from the grave and ate fish and bread. Did I read the Bible right? Yes or no? So will you. Why is there so much emphasis in the Gospels and the resurrection accounts on Jesus' body? Because you're going to have and need a body when Jesus returns. So if I do your funeral, I will say these words, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. Yes, we decompose. But when Jesus returns, what happens? You and I, we receive resurrection bodies just like his. And guess what? You're going to eat with whom? People from every nation, tribe, and tongue, and somehow everyone's going to have their own languages, their own customs, I believe, and somehow we are all going to be connected because of Jesus. And you're going to have this incredible, incredible banquet that goes on a million years? I don't know, a long time. And that's what he's poking at. A simple gift. Now, now listen, what I said to you about 25 minutes ago, all the hard things of life. So I do our family's hard things. Lane's mom died 2067. Lane's dad died 69. Our children have miscarried six babies. Our son died. My dad died. Lots of death. 
Lots of losses in our family. Like you, yes? Like us? What is the purpose of all that? The purpose is to remind us that this earth is not our home. We are just here for a short time. And that's why St. Paul says the sufferings of this life cannot compare with the glories that will be revealed. So put it in a change, guys, change how you think. Oh, life is so bad and so hard. Yeah, it is. And it's so bad and so hard because the deeper issue is are you longing for the new life in heaven? where there is no more pain and no more tears and no more suffering and no more abuse and no more brokenness. It's all good. The pain of this life, I've used an illustration before and I've just never forgotten. 1994, Elton Veross, VA, Knoxville, Korean War veteran, body kangaroo, limbs being cut off and all kinds of medical issues and stench and Horrible, painful suffering. I'll never forget visiting him over and over. And at the end of his life, he said, Kevin, never forget this. Now, here's a guy whose legs have been cut off now to here, who is absolutely incontinent. He can't move, and he's full of pain. And, he said, and I'll never forget this. He said to me, Kevin, you cannot forget that the sufferings of this life cannot compare with what's going to come. It's going to last forever. So all the yuck of this life is intended to make us homesick for heaven. But so are the great things. A good meal with the people you love. Going hunting. Simple things, just simple things. Just being with the people, you, being in a relationship, looking them at the eye, hearing their hearts, being connected. And the Lord says, yoo-hoo, yes, 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 yes. You're experiencing the Lord's favor. Is that your God? That's who Ecclesiastes finally in chapter 9 is pointing us to. How about this? Can I have a slide, please? May I have slide number uh, 10? So let's take, could, could, if you're willing, can we just take a couple minutes? I tried to really quickly give the wedding imagery. Great food, great drink, great relationships, beautiful clothes, if you lived with that in mind, that's where you're heading, would that change how you live? It'd take about two minutes of conversation. If you're willing, talk. If not, pretend you're praying. On your marks, get set, go.
I believe the Holy Spirit's always working and talking. A couple people, what, what's Lord, in light of this, in light of the wedding imagery, oh, that's what we're heading for. That's how we're, homesick for heaven. Anything just pop for you in the words, the scripture, or something I've said that we can just repeat to everybody? Dale, you gotta come, Dale first. Let me just pick on Dale, because he's already spoken to us. Dale, anything that you have for us? Okay, you have life, enjoy it. Beautiful. Kathy, do you want to add anything to this conversation? I don't think so. No, not right now. <laughs> All right. Beautiful. So Kathy, Kathy, spouse of Dale, says we have become much more intentional in all our relationships. Beautiful. Thank you. Eric? Mm-hmm. So that, that's why we're trying to, we're, we're almost being anal. I know you know that. We're, why do we just keep hammering this candle and the Sabbath meal thing? Because we're trying to embed a habit that speaks to eternity. That's what we're poking at. Not just for Thanksgiving, not just for Christmas, but once a week, several times a week, you, 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 can, be, you can be intentional about connecting with the people you love the most. And it's beautiful. I, I made two, I, I apologize to the Grotenheises because I talked about covers a couple weeks ago and I was, I, what I wanted to say didn't come out right. So we went, we went to a restaurant recently with our granddaughters and we had a delightful 45 minutes. We just sat, watched those little girls eat and mess and talk. They just talk and 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 talk. And I just sit there and just thought, this is awesome. So that's what we're talking about. The simple, because remember now, don't lose sight of this. In these simple things, your God is going, yes. They're opening the presents. He, is, he receives pleasure in us receiving these simple gifts. Got to go. Last one. Slide 11, please. Just remind you again, so this is what we've been trying to do for all these weeks. Thank you for more than you are coming back to worship. Thank you. We invite you to come back to weekly worship, to recenter, to refill so we can reflourish. I invite you to sometime this week, enjoy a Sabbath meal. Perhaps read chapter 12, 9, 1 through 12, and then bless another. I'm just struck by this. And I want to, may I, may I have permission to call out men today? I listened to a tape by Dallas Willard yesterday. Dallas Willard is one of the uh, authors and speakers I really, really am grateful for. And he gave a talk about 20 years ago, 18 years ago. And he was talking to a group of men. And he said to men, this is like 18, 20 years ago, he said, our, our country is, is, 
is, is, is being imploded by many different challenges. But he says the thing that he's seeing, this, he's a brilliant philosopher, writer, but all common down to earth, Missouri farmer. He said, men are not speaking words of blessing. Men need to say to those they I'm just, I was talking to men now. Women too, everybody. I'm calling men out today. We men have opportunity to tell those we love, I honor you. I see you. I love you. I appreciate you. I want you to know you are special to me. It is said, I don't know if this is true, that most American Christians have never heard their father pray except at a meal or perhaps before bed. Men, your children, your grandchildren, your spouses, if you're not married, your friends, they need to hear us pray out loud for them. How does the book of the Old Testament end? The hearts of the fathers have turned from their children. There's a 400-year silence to in the book of Luke. It says, and the fathers begin to speak blessing to their children. Something happens when we speak blessing. So we can all do it, but may I just encourage men today especially, to your friends, to classmates, to teammates, to coworkers, to your spouse, to your children, to your grandchildren. And say something like this, I see you, I know you, I love you. Or, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord Almighty lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen? Lord, we want to say thank you. We thank you. We take a moment, and when you're in the recesses of your own heart, just ask the Lord, what are you asking me to do today in response? Who am I to bless? With whom can I share a meal? Or whatever else is given. Would you listen for the nudgings, the promptings of the Holy Spirit? And may I invite all of us, would you pray a prayer of blessing over someone in your life who you know needs to receive favor? Yes, Daddy, Daddy, we thank you, Lord, and we praise you and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you please stand for our last song? Before we sing it, remind you, elders will serve you communion. The place of prayer is available to you. Let's sing the doxology together. And also reminder that as you go today, you'll receive uh, one of these documents. And it's a wonderful document, easily put together, and it just has every day in November, an opportunity for you to write down the ways that you are thankful 
and the ways that you are grateful towards the Lord. And so with this month, as we enter in, be a month of thanksgiving and praise. So let's sing together. Praise God from whom all Awesome. Learn a name, love a name, bless the name of Jesus. God bless.